Welcome back to the Get Well Soon podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Aiden Baker. Um, I know it's been a minute since the last episode, um, but I'm excited to be back on the mic um, and excited for this conversation that I have lined up today um, because I got another really good friend of mine with me. Uh, We're going to get into some things, but before we get into the topic, why don't you introduce yourself to the people, my friend? (laughs) <laughs> yeah um so i'm joseph boyd um i'm a senior at the university of south carolina i am a dancer studying dance education um i've been dancing my whole life i started when i was eight in elementary school did a little competitive dance um from elementary school all the way up until high school um so i teach at a couple of dance studios in the area um and around south carolina um i am like happy-go-lucky, I guess is the way that you can put me. Um, also, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, I'm a queer Black man, so I'm really excited, excited excuse me, to um, talk about identity, queerness, masculinity, and kind of bring in um, my intersecting identities and experiences. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm welcome. Happy to have you. I think, you know, one of the things that I've appreciated about our friendship is that like we share a unique perspective on the world and yours even more so unique than mine but I feel like I always learn a lot from you um, and who you are as a person but I just I think to be in the intersection of queerness and being a black male um, is an exciting space it's a difficult space to navigate but I know you and I you know, have experienced a lot being in that in that space. Um, and you've been like a really good mentor and friend to have in that space because it's not, you know, it's a lot of us, but it's not many of us, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes yeah. it gets to be, you know, kind of lonely in that space, but it's nice to have a friend. And I am excited to bring you on today to talk about toxic masculinity. Um, we've all heard of it. We've all <laughs> experienced it in our own, you know, unique ways. Um, but I really think the way that um, you've lived your life and the experiences you've had bring a really great perspective to this conversation. I'm excited to get into it today. Um, and I think, you know, we'll just kick it off with just kind of a basic question that, you know, I think we can both kind of expand on a little bit. But how would you define masculinity? And then conversely, how would you define toxic masculinity? Yeah. Um, So I think we all kind of have this idea of what masculinity is just because of society. And I don't want to kind of, I don't want to get into how masculinity has changed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think right now in the current state of the world and society, I would say that masculinity is... um, something that's strong, um, can be aggressive at times. It's an energy that is dominant or yeah. expected to be dominant. Um, energy that doesn't or isn't allowed to show um, any kind of weakness or any kind of softness. Um, I think we're if we're going to talk about masculinity, then we also kind of have to bring in femininity and how the two are seen to be yeah totally different and i i can kind of agree that there are two different energies not kind of agree i do agree that there are two different energies um however i don't agree that one has to be in a specific body and the other has to be in the other body if that makes sense um but definitely masculinity is an energy that's dominant dominant is strong um aggressive at times um not allowed to be soft not allowed to show weakness Um, And I think in a way, masculinity itself is toxic. And I think if we take it a step further and talk about toxic masculinity, um, I think it's when we have those things, those qualities that I listed, and then they're like sent to the a thousandth, you know, level of that and how it starts to create harm and not just physical harm, but mental harm, emotional harm, um, 
to those who are masculine, if we are a little more specific to men who really, really, um, their masculinity is very important to them. Um, it can be toxic to those people, but also toxic to, to queer people, to women, um, to children. You know, toxic masculinity yeah. is just when the act of being masculine creates some kind of harm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree fully. And I think the, the big thing for me that distinguishes masculinity and the toxicity of it um, when I look at it is that masculinity is seen as something that has to be very strong, has to be very rigid, has to be tough. It can't be soft. It can't be, you know, like shakable or phaseable. Like it has to be this very dominant sort of thing. And I think that in um, a lot of ways is, is kind of where that root of like the toxicity is. And I think, you know, for me, that's where I've seen masculinity traditionally for me have like kind of that that toxic impact on me and on people around me is that inability for like softness, the inability for like movement or change to keep it very like broad before we even bring emotion into it. But like if masculinity were an object, it would have to be very kind of like rigid, sturdy, can't be moved, can't be shaken phase changed any of that and so i guess to take it further um how in your life when you were growing up was masculinity like described to you how was it presented what was your like the when we think about this idea of like being a man how when you were when you were younger how was that presented to you and like what was that kind of image or stereotype for you yeah yeah so my dad's a pastor so i've grown up in the church my whole life so Mm. my image of masculinity is um crafted or sculpted around um christianity which is interesting um ironically enough like i've seen my dad cry multiple times um although like most of those instances were either in church or worship or at a funeral or places where vulnerability is okay for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like masculinity for me and how I've experienced it was directly tied to not being queer. <laughs> um, yeah. So like yeah. men shouldn't have a switch in their hip or men shouldn't break their wrist or, you know, um, men should date women and mm-hmm. men should be, the head of the household and they should have everything in order and they should provide um and so like some of those things i'm not gonna say i agree with but i i identify with in the way that i express my masculinity and and what makes me feel more masculine when i want to feel more masculine um but yeah definitely i think the biggest thing is like men should be the head of the household and they have all control over the over the household and what they say goes and there's no changing that, that decision, whatever the decision may be. But then again, like also how it's the total opposite of any sign of queerness. So, I mean, even like in the colors that we wear, um, how much time we spend getting ready, um, you shouldn't be looking in the mirror that long or (laughs) you shouldn't care about how white your teeth are. Like even when it comes to quote unquote vanity, like, men should be vain at all you know um which is so crazy because i feel like i'm the total opposite of everything that (laughs) i've listed um so yeah um i do want to say you you had said something about we were talking about how masculinity is tough and strong and then i instantly think about how strength has to be built and mm. it isn't something that you just have or don't have. It's a it's a muscle that you have to flex. It's a skill that you have to train. And I think about how we put masculinity or femininity femininity on to children. And I mean, again, with the thought that strength is something that has to be built, I'm like, well, 
if kids aren't strong off the bat, if young men or male kids aren't strong off the bat, then are they not masculine? Like, is masculinity something that takes time to to yeah. achieve? You know, is it something that, oh, I'm finally a fully masculine man? Um, but that's just kind of a thought I had. So I wanted to say that before we move yeah. on. No, no, I mean, I think that's interesting because it's like, I think it's, it's interesting to think of masculinity as something that you work at and kind of build up to that's an interesting perspective on it because i think i've always viewed at least in when i was younger the stereotypical kind of take i had on masculinity was it was like it was it was just the same as like putting on like a a t-shirt like it was something that you carried it was part of your personality it was part of like you know your like day-to-day get up like it, it, it was it was never something that i saw that evolved or changed with you as a person i just thought like when you were a boy and you went on to be a man you just were always masculine and like obviously you grew up you learned lessons but like your your masculinity never changed that never like shifted and i think when i started to see like my parents become more human particularly my dad mm-hmm. become more human as i grew up that's when mm-hmm. i think that 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 thought that you're talking about of masculinity being something that changes and something you build and something that, you know, like isn't uniform throughout your life. I saw that happen with me. Cause it's interesting. You mentioned your dad kind of being emotional in church and being emotional through most of your life. Like I really didn't see my dad cry until I was like 12 or like 11. And so for like a big majority of my life, like I really didn't see honestly either of my parents as emotional beings and that yeah. took a lot of like that human like aspect out of them i saw them as parents they were like these otherworldly beings that could do yeah. wrong were perfect and you know particularly the relationship I, that affected the relationship i had with my dad because he became this perfect ideal of like dominant masculine man husband father to me and when i saw him cry I didn't know how to take that. I was like, does this make him any less of the person that yeah. I thought he was? Like, what is, like, what is this? Because I, was, I wasn't really taught to cry. I was taught to not really let that emotion go. And yeah. um, even, in, even in a church setting, for me, it was not necessarily a place of vulnerability, which wow. was, it was, you know, I, I grew up, in the Methodist church and was confirmed Methodist in, in like seventh grade. And church for me was a place of a lot of really positive emotion, Mm -hmm. which didn't take away from being able to bring your problems to God and pray. But it was like, church was always rejoicing. It was never emotional breakdown, relief of stress, relief of whatever. So Mm -hmm. that, to the like adding to that masculine kind of like point for me church was like another part of the checklist of like being this perfect man so yeah. like i had to go and i prayed and i was there and i you know it was a whole thing and it's i don't know that's just it's interesting to me to hear your take on how church has impacted you from like a as seeing it as like a place of emotional vulnerability like i think that's really interesting because i typically yeah don't i i just never saw it that way myself but that's kind of you know interesting that you bring that up yeah and i think you said that the first time you saw your dad cry was when when you were 12 and i have this very distinct memory of being in church when my dad was pastoring this church at the time and i was still in elementary school for sure and i don't remember what the sermon was about but um my dad was on the piano he plays piano he sings um and there was whatever happened long story short um he had mentioned that like it is okay for for men to cry and i was a crybaby when i was younger like truth be told (laughs) i was gonna whine i was gonna cry Uh i was gonna pout i was gonna give a show like i was gonna give you a show (laughs) um and i remember hearing him be like yeah it's okay for men to cry but then at the same instance like there are things that would bother me, like truly bother me that I would be upset about. And sometimes would lead to tears. And 
you probably heard this. You were here. I'll suck it up. It's okay. Like, mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly, like, I have to give some credit there. I think part of the reason why we hear that a lot as Black men is simply because it is, it is a hard life being a Black yeah. man in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it is a hard life being a Black man in America, you mm -hmm. know? And so that's part of that that um, response of like, okay, the world is going to do this to you, so I need to prepare you for that. But at the same time, I don't think we realize how toxic, here we go, toxic masculinity, there you go. Yeah. how toxic that is, because it not only trains us to not cry and to suck up situations that bother us, um, but it, it doesn't teach us, excuse me, the context of why they tell us these things. And so we take this one concept of like, you're tough, suck it up, you'll be okay, keep going. And then we apply that to every part of life where yeah. it doesn't need to be applied always, yeah. you know? um yeah yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, no that's true and I think that's that's something that you know I I never really had to think about it like that I I was very privileged to grow up in a space where I didn't really have to consider my blackness until later in my life yeah and I think because of that it didn't click for me um that made that coming from my parents and coming from my father, that idea of, you know, suck it up, keep going, had like a racial element to it and had like a, mm -hmm. a, a reinforcement of blackness behind it. And yeah. I think we could add that like the identity or the energy of masculinity um, could also be of like not showing emotion. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it, it, it gets embodied in some people of like not showing any emotion at all yeah. where I think the flat line or, or at least where it started, it's just like not showing any emotion that shows vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What's really important about what you said there is where you, the, the association of quite literally like being emotionless with masculinity, any kind of vulnerability yeah. at all immediately, like kind of, you just like pull the plug on it yeah but now i'm just kind of like curious of like i mean human beings have emotions and so is it i don't want to say safe to say but could we even argue that like almost the identity of being masculine that we all think about it as it's almost like not being human because like yeah. who are you to tell me that my human self who feels <laughs> and experiences things to not show those emotions like that makes yeah. no sense it's almost like a, a dehumanization in my brain yeah. you know uh -huh. so no for sure you're absolutely right i mean i think it's it's for me i i tie it very strongly to my my parents like with my dad because i like i very strongly associated that idea of like masculine perfection with my father and because mm -hmm. so much of that so much of my relationship with him was not human to human. It was father to son, seeing mm -hmm. dad as like this non-human being when he didn't express emotion and when he was kind of always very surface level. I didn't see him be human. I didn't, you know, understand emotion as a human quality, which I think, you know, that hits the nail on the head with like when you look at masculinity is if it's in this super, you know, extreme kind of stereotyped description it is like you know <laughs> it's a non-human trait yeah. if you look at it that way so yeah no i think you're absolutely right there i think that's that's really important um which you touch on with that um, but i do want to shift gears a bit toward um now the overlap of queerness and kind of how because <laughs> i know we got a lot to get into with that a lot to get into with that but I guess just like for you, um, how how did I guess when you started to I guess understand your identity, your sexual identity, and begin to like explore that and become more comfortable in that? How did masculinity, as it was taught to you when you were younger, kind of interact with that that process and those feelings and emotions and and what what things were you going through, you know, that yeah. kind of related to that? 
Yeah, so I think it's very important for me to start out by saying that, like, I've never been the most masculine person ever. Mm-hmm. And so when I started going through puberty and I realized that, like, I was attracted to men and that I was gay, that, like, it all kind of started to make sense, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I hate to, I hate to kind of make that correlation of, like, femininity and, like, being a gay man because mm-hmm. that doesn't always go together because, you know, we talk about trade and we talk about DL and that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> um, for me personally it kind of clicked it was like oh so maybe this is why i do certain things like it even got to a point to where it was like maybe this is why i dance you know Mm. like i took a there was a moment in time when i was struggling to accept my identity as a gay black man that i and as a dancer like i searched for straight dancers straight male dancers as role models kid you not Wow. wow yeah it's quite insane. Wow. Um, and ironically enough, like this one dancer that I like loved and looked up to and actually got to meet one day, like my whole, like that whole thing for me was shattered when I found out that he was also gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because the thing about it is, is like for this specific person, and I'm not going to say his name, but for this specific person, like, it was almost like checklist of everything that masculinity was. And so it wasn't until I got older and I started to learn more about the community and how people express themselves in their queerness that I figured out that like all gay men aren't feminine, you know? Mm -hmm. And we could also be as like all straight men aren't necessarily the most masculine either, you know, where we talk about whether you identify as masculine or feminine or whatever in between, um that isn't directly correlated to how you identify in your sexual orientation yeah um but also like i've kind of always been called gay like i was bullied a lot when i was in school mm-hmm. and so the dancing didn't help <laughs> uh, luckily it wasn't anything like physical but it was always verbal yeah and i never really realized how much i internalized that until i got older um mm-hmm. But, like, could you not from, like, probably second or third grade, like, it had already been traveling around the school that I was gay. God knows I don't know what I did because the first time I heard this rumor was in gym class. And I'm like, are y'all saying this just because I don't want to play basketball? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Like, and that was also before I even knew what gay was. Like, I always knew that it was something bad, but I never knew that it meant that such and such like men or such and such like women or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah. Um, I mean, even going into high school, like, everyone does, like, their class representative pageant. So you're like, Mr. Freshman, Mr. Whatever. Um, and I will always do it every year. I would always win every year. Period. A little shameless plug there. <laughs> um, but, like, I remember I, it was freshman year. No, I could do, no, it was eighth grade because we did it in middle school as well. And we had joint rehearsals with the high schoolers. And I remember this guy who played football. Um of course, that whole hyper-masculine identity. And I kid you not, like, the way I was walking, homeboy was like, oh, you must be gay because you're doing that a little too good, blah, 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 like, in front of everyone. And I was like, girl, first off, if you're so straight, why are you paying attention to the way I walk so hard? Right. Get into that. Let's get into into that. that. And I think, like, (laughs) it's so funny to me how, and I've seen it in... Let me just say, it's so funny to me how masculinity on certain bodies can be so fragile. Not even just toxic mm. masculinity, but fragile masculinity as well. It can be so fragile that even when something isn't a threat to it, they have to attack it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's like, the way I express my masculine self has nothing to do with the way you express your masculine self. So, like, who gives a crap? If I'm walking on stage with some fluidity and a little sway, like, Uh come on, you know? (laughs) Um, Gosh. Yeah. I mean, my experience as a queer man in terms of masculinity has been very, very unique. Um, Just because like now, like I talk to people and they're always like, oh my God, like, I would have never thought you were necessarily gay. I would have thought you were bi. I was like, do you know me? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, or even like 
like I literally have heard this very recently and I'm just like well do I give off trade like and for I guess listeners who don't know what trade is um in the queer community and the gay community like trade is like a very masculine presenting gay man um and so like it's very baffling to me because now that I've gotten to a place where I'm not going to say a hundred percent okay with who I am, but definitely a get 98%. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm 22, so I'm still learning that of like who I am and how I express myself fully, but I'm the most comfortable I've ever been in my, my masculinity and in my sexuality. Um, and so I found that the more that I've been able to ease in it, I guess the more masculine I've gotten to a certain extent. Mm. Um, I mentioned that like, I'm in a fraternity and I don't think I've ever been able to explore my masculinity until I got into my fraternity. It was almost like I never allowed myself to do it. If you will. Um, growing up, like I didn't have male friends at all, like none. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until about high school when I was in marching band where I started to get like a, a few group of male friends. Um, but they were older than they're like two or three years older than me so they graduated and so like i went through high school with like no male like real male friends like i'm not talking about like i see you at school what's up bro like you know my mom we go here we go there like i never had that until i came to college and, and uh crossed my fraternity so that's also been very interesting and then to see how when i am a little more feminine how the other masculine men in the room feel about that you know mm. Um, at first I, I could say like, they would be like, oh, I don't care, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, girl, BS. Like you may not know you <laughs> care, but if I do a specific thing, or if I talk about a, a specific situation or any of my experiences as a queer man, a queer man, you're going to get uncomfortable. And then you're going to realize that you care. Um, and yeah. so that journey has been incredible. Like I love my brothers, love them. Um, but definitely i think i've come to a situation where like i've confirmed my masculinity a lot more um because i've never been afraid to embrace my feminine side but i think part of that's also never feeling like i had any ounce of masculinity in me because so many people have said oh joseph you do this you do that oh you act like a girl or you do this and i think i've never given myself the chance to explore my masculinity as much as i have over the past couple of years um so I, I, that's very interesting to me like i am more of a masculine person now after accepting my sexuality and gender uh, and identity than i was before when i was trying to hide my sexuality and identity amen i mean yeah. i think that's i think that's true and i think you know i think i resonate a lot with that i think as i've understood the balance of masculinity and femininity in the human experience I felt more masculine because mm -hmm. I know what it really is. Like, it's not, it's not an extreme. It's not a perfect way to be like, there is, yeah. a, there is a blend of femininity and masculinity in all of us. Yeah. And I think when you bring up that point of fragile masculinity, when someone's trying to attain that perfect, all strong male, you know, the kind of like classic, like all American male, like vibe, mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. when they get, that's when they get the, that's when the fragility, I think, pops out because yeah. something that you think is super strong and like way on one end of the spectrum is fragile because anything that's remotely different of it is a threat. And even like you said, even if it's not a threat, like they attack it. And mm -hmm. like, I mean, you just like, you hit the nail on the head with that. Like, that's so true. But I think my masculinity has been strong because I know I know like the femininity that is woven within it. And that's what kind of makes me a man. That's why, you know, how I feel. Um, yeah. But I think to, to, to add to the discussion of kind of like queerness and the scope of all, like my kind of path to understanding my sexuality was, it was, it was, it took me a while to get it because I, I think similar to you, like, when I was younger, I only knew gay as a derogatory term all, all through, I think until honestly, until like my sophomore year of high school, did I really understand like that there was like a whole, you know, community beyond just gay 
people. Like I thought like men yeah. were gay and that was it. I didn't know what like women did. I didn't know there was anything else. Like I was like, I mean, you know, over here, like there's that, but I don't know what, you know, what's going on. And then like, I was educated on, you know, the LGBTQ plus community as a whole and that it's a spectrum and nothing is purely binary and that there's all these different like yeah. nuances and intricacies and it's it's just it's it, it's a completely individualistic experience mm-hmm. and i think i had a moment um in church oddly enough um the church i belonged to for most of my life was very openly supportive of lgbt members which was really kind of rare but was very i think comforting for me um, while I was trying to figure out my identity, um, and to like figure myself out. And I think one of the, um, I had a moment where, um, I was in church with my dad and they were doing their like kind of pride service and where they have different LGBTQ members of the church come up and and speak about their relationship with God and how it's the relationship they've also had with the church has like, you know, just affected their lives. And, there was a member of the church who talked about, you know, coming out as gay and not really finding a community until he found our church, which was really interesting to me because I so much tied that perfect masculine, you know, persona to being a person of the church and being like this very devout, disciplined Christian. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, have him speak on how his identity never really wavered and his relationship with God was also very constant. It was really big for me, but the biggest part of it and to back it up contextually, I was starting to figure out, you know, I was, I was starting to come to realization something was different about me as far as like, you know, liking men, but also still liking women and not knowing if that was a possible thing that you could like both. Yeah. I thought I had to make a decision at some point before, you know, the, the clock struck and my dad both my parents knew they knew and I think they were like kind of jump scared by the fact that I was you know different because they were like we would have these weird instances where like I would have to change an Instagram profile picture that had a guy in it and they're like you know I remember specifically my dad dad I love you I know you're listening to this but there was a moment where my dad was like you know if this you know if this is who you are like that's fine you know, we'll talk about it. But like, if that's not you, like you got to change this profile picture. That's not good for your brand. What is this telling, you know, people about you and about who you are? If this is not who you are. And I was like, okay, you know, I was ready to like have a conversation with you about my sexuality, but let's just forget it. Let's scrap it. So, yeah. So fast forward back to this church service. And as this, this man is talking about his experience within the church and how, you know, he's crying very visibly. And my dad starts crying. And consequently, I start crying because whenever my dad cries, I cry. I think he could cry like five states away. I cry too. But next to him, like I'm like, I was sobbing. And it was like after that particular church service, like he put his arm around me, like when everything was happening and we kind of had this connection. And it was like from then on, like he was involved with like the LGBTQ advocacy group in our church. And he started to like step up and do these different things. And I didn't come out to him until at least a year after that but by the time i did i felt good enough that i could and it was it was i was so worried about and i think this is a very kind of typical thing i was worried about all like the way i was perceived and the way that i perceived myself completely changing once i fully came out to myself and came out to family i was worried about how my full understanding of humanity masculinity specifically was going to just like crumble down and completely change after years of like kind of building up this version of myself but Mm -hmm. seeing that you know not change and seeing my dad kind of understand and emotionally connect with the way that queerness and being a christian can coexist in like just seeing that come together for him was big for me. I think that was like, that was a big step. I know I needed to like be very firm in my identity and who I was. Cause I was very worried about that part of my life. Just like yeah, going to the wayside. But that was a, that was a big thing for me. And I think as I've 
grown up and continued to grow. And um, even though I'm still, we're still both very young, but even at this stage in our lives, we've experienced a lot. And I think even as I've gone through everything I've gone through, like I've become more and more comfortable in my masculinity because I know it, it hasn't, it hasn't changed. My understanding of what masculinity is has changed, but for yeah. me, it's never changed. It's like the further I've, the further I've gotten from what I thought masculinity was supposed to be, the more real I've felt and the mm. more masculine I've felt, which is mm-hmm. crazy. But that's, yeah. how it's, that's how it's been for me, honestly. Yeah, I love that. If I can really quickly, yeah, um, you had said that you had like posted a, I think you said profile picture or something with like a guy yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. and your dad was like, if this is who you are, then that's cool. Um, but if this isn't, then that's not really good for your brand. But it's interesting to me because I don't think he understands how, like, while you said if this is who you are, that's okay. But then you contradicted that when you said, well, if this isn't who you are and that's not your brand, yeah. what are people going to think about you? Well, it's like, well, if if you didn't care, dad, then it doesn't matter. Like, who I take a picture with doesn't say that I'm gay or I'm bi or I'm straight. Like, yeah. it's just someone I took a picture with I like the picture so I made it my profile picture you know um that was just very interesting to me because I think a lot of times that parents can want to be supportive but they're also so uneducated that they don't realize that some of the things they say contradict each other and Mm -hmm. always contradict themselves to going back to confirming that being queer is not a good thing you know yeah yeah so that's it's very interesting to me. And I'm also sure. very jealous. Like, can I get the name or the address of this church so I can visit it? <laughs> yeah, I grew up <laughs> um, in the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Very Black. Mm. Um, very heteronormative. Like, the women were expected to wear, like, stockings and, like, short, like, long skirts. Like, not actually long, long, but it had to be at the mm. knee, you know. Mm the older women wore hats and you know most of the bishops in the church were men and you know so yeah, yeah. just let me know uh, yeah <laughs> so i'll, I can go that, visit I'll, or something. I'll get you right it's in indiana yeah. so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make a trip i mean I'll, I'll we, get never you right. know. we never know what could happen <laughs> no for sure um another thing i want to get into which i think you know is um another important part of the way masculinity, particularly in our society, is presented in toxic ways and is presented just period. Um, But our TV, our music, our movies and representation, and Mm -hmm. this can tie more so into queerness, but even can just tie into manhood. But I know, and I'd love to hear, you know, your, your take on this, but for me, the media I was consuming, maybe not so much music when I was younger, because I didn't really get into music until like middle school, I'd say I really started to like find a music taste for myself. But yeah, when I was really young and like at my most impressionable points, TV and TV and movies like really reinforced that. Yeah stereotype of like oh this is what a man's man is supposed to look like and it yeah you know and even for me like i'd say even with sports and watching sports on tv playing sports like that's a whole that could be another episode in itself but the overarching point here is i think like for me the media shaped a lot of what i thought a man was supposed to be and a man was supposed to look like and what i thought you know consequently i was supposed to be like as a man and Mm -hmm. like a lot of my favorite characters i could like had like looking back on it not an ounce of their life related to mine like my muse was troy bolton from high school musical that man has in common with me and what's interesting is that dilemma between basketball player and um actor was so like there's so much masculinity, like discourse behind that, that yeah. I was subliminally like, fair. yeah, 
that's mm-hmm. the one that immediately comes to mind to me because it was like so taboo for the basketball player to be in the show with the uh-huh. girls and like and and also <laughs> like how like the only reason why it was okay for him to do what he did is because his girlfriend did it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's that... go there. Let's, let's go, go there. there. But no, I'm. I want to pass you the mic on this. Talk to me about you know media and movies, TV growing up, and how that kind of like yeah shifted the way you grew into manhood. You know. Yeah. Um. So. I do want to touch on the whole High School Musical thing because you watched High School Musical and you were like, okay, this is my example, Troy Bolton. Uh-huh. And for me, gosh, Lucas Gabriel, what was his his character's name? Oh, Ryan. Ryan. It was always yeah. Ryan for me because, like, Ryan was in the shows. He choreographed. He, he was, like, you know, he was that dude behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. I mean, like, of course, like, later on, we realized that, like, they made him straight, too, but we won't go there. Because um, <laughs> yeah. everyone thought that man was gay. And I, that character, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Everyone thought the character was gay, and I, I think it's fair. I still think it's twisted, but I think it's fair. But for me, like, we talk about film, we talk about movies, and for me, like, I was always attracted to, like, I guess, like, more feminine shows. Like, I love That's a Raven. Like, I, oh, when I was a kid, always absolutely. wanted to be a fashion designer because of That's a Raven. So I watch nice. that sort of thing all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, also, what else did I like? Shake It Up was on, and I loved it. Like awesome. a lot of, a lot of the shows that I watched when I was younger, all of the leads were female, and I think part of that was because like I couldn't really identify with this white man who was super masculine or super dumb. I mean, let's be honest; mm-hmm. like most of their characters are kind of ditzy, you know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't identify with that, you know, one, because like, I'm not white, like I'm a black man right. Two, like everything that they did, like whether it was like, what show was that? There's a show like one of the, one of the characters like did karate or like on Disney channel, oh, was yeah. Nickelodeon. like he was like a singer and I was like, that's cool. But also like, it's giving very much. So Justin Bieber tease. And I was like, I didn't mm-hmm. like that either. You know, so for me, <laughs> for me, I just never had anything to identify with, um, which is, I don't know, I never really thought about it until now, honestly, like, because I never saw any, again, like, I never saw anything wrong with me liking what I naturally liked, yeah. you know, like, that was never a problem for me um, until someone was like, oh, you do this? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I think also, this triggers my brain to something, I think my family always knew and so, like, they encouraged me to just be myself, not realizing mm. that it was be yourself because you're queer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're talking about movies, and I think um, I have a Moonlight poster behind me for those of you who are listening and don't can't see anything. Um, <laughs> Moonlight, Moonlight changed a lot about how I saw Blackness and queerness. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like that was the first time I'd seen a black queer character. Although his experience was still very traumatic, that's not let's not look over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was the first time I had seen a black queer character who wasn't the butt of a joke, mm. or a black queer character who was like this super feminine, flamboyant man. Um, I mean, I think a lot of times we think about how queerness, especially on, like, the Black body, is, like, identified or pictured in cinema and film and on screen. Like, um, there are lots of movies. Um, For one, like, we talk about, we can think about, um, is it Four Colored Girls? I think it's Four Colored Girls, and Janet Jackson is in it, and Omari Hardwick, Mm -hmm. my good brother. Oh, good Friday, but he's in it and he's dating Janet Jackson. I can't think of their character's name, but no, they're married. Let me rephrase it. They're married and she finds out that I think he's HIV positive and she she finds out and she was like, so, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but she makes this joke of like, oh, so you doing the bending. And he's like, nobody's bending me over. 
And I think about how, right. And I think about how, like, that is a joke for a lot of people. But also a lot of people live that experience and it's very traumatic because if I'm not mistaken, he did also give her HIV from living Mm. this life. And that was kind of traumatic for me. Like, I was like, okay, girl, like, I don't understand why he can't just be gay and happily live his life. I was younger then. I get it now. (laughs) But I think also, (laughs) we're having this conversation about masculinity. And I think it's very important um, to talk about how masculinity can also be on a female body and how, yeah. and the segue is coming, I promise, but the thought like, and how like masculinity on a female body isn't a threat to, to black men, you know, mm. like, mm. is it young MA? She says like, Ooh, like everyone loves that song. <laughs> no one has a problem or yeah. No one has a problem with the fact that she is a queer woman I don't even know if I'm saying their pronouns or whatever, right? But young M.A., like, Noah has a problem with that because Black men don't have a problem with masculinity being on a female body. What they do have a problem with, however, is femininity being on a male body, which is so interesting to me because queer is queer. Yeah. Queer is queer. And it's also, in my brain, I'm like, and I'm not saying they should, but in my brain, I'm like, why wouldn't y'all be threatened by a woman who's more masculine presenting? Like, because we associate sex, like male, masculine, female, feminine. And it's like, well, here it is, this person that isn't even supposed to have any kind of masculinity doing it better than some of y'all. Like, Period. that's very interesting to me. <laughs> but to keep going, and we're talking about film and cinema, I think the first time that I, yes, the very first time I saw trans identity on screen was in a Lifetime movie called um, A Girl Like Me. And it's about a Latina um, trans woman who transitioned and unfortunately was like killed by her boyfriend because his sister like outed her for being trans Mm -hmm. and I think since we're talking about queerness and masculinity being on film, like, I think it's important to say that, like, both in the Black community, like, a lot of Black stories are traumatic. A lot of the stories that are told by Black people, uh, about Black people are traumatic. The same thing happens with queerness. And so when we put those two intersections, when we put those two identities together and we intersect them, it's like a whirlwind of trauma and a whirlwind of um, triggering you know like i love moonlight to death but it's it's gotten a lot easier to watch the movie but i think my first time watching it it was very hard because some of the experiences that the main character has i had as well so i i would love for us to get to a place to where queerness and blackness can be portrayed on screen without the trauma and without the drama um but you know Maybe we'll get there one day, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, which is unfortunate, but. Yeah. No, I mean, but that's, that's a good point. I mean, uh, you really, uh, you, I don't know, you said it really well. I'm not even going to try to follow it up because you, you hit the nail on the head. Well, I think to you, like, Sarah. for me, I think similarly, I watched a lot of shows that had when I was really young, like the Disney shows I got into, female leads. Mm-hmm. And um, and like it was when I looked to see like black male characters in these shows, they were like side characters that jumped in a scene for a little bit, jumped out of it. Didn't have much mm-hmm. of a character development. Like even Chad in High School Musical. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, mm-hmm. he's there, the character is there, but the development is, like, he's so one-dimensional. He's all about sports. They only let him be about sports. Yeah. And they pair him with the one other Black girl in the entire show. And it, it was just, it, it wasn't until, for me, I mean, Let It Shine, yeah, you know, movie first one yeah. that I really saw, like all black cast, 
all black leads and the black male characters were strong-minded, like intelligent, talented, gifted, but it wasn't just athletics and they weren't, they weren't the butt of the joke. Like, and that was really, that was really powerful for me to see just as a young man growing up. Like, yeah, just to see that on TV was huge. But the fact that it took so long for that to come was, you know, it, it was, it was, it was like, you know, better late than never, but like, it, it was still really pivotal. And it's like, it's still my favorite Disney Channel movie to this day. So yeah. I think it's, it's executed perfectly. Oh, but, no, it's a beautiful movie. Beautiful yeah. Movie. But, but no, it, it's so, that representation is so important. I think on tying in, you know, black queerness to it, I didn't feel really represented on screen till Love, Simon came out. Mm. And that, uh, I think, oh, what's his name? Keenan Lonsdale plays Blue, who has a name besides Blue. But he's like the, he's Simon's love interest in the movie. And that, for me, came out at a pivotal time when I had, like, just, I'd either just came out to my parents or, like, was about to. And that was the first time I'd seen someone that looked like me like he looked a lot like me that character looked a lot like me but genuinely saw someone that looked like me that like could be the prince charming it could be the guy at the end of the movie that is sought after he's not the joke he's not some character they flash for a couple minutes like that was huge for me because i was always super self-conscious about like particularly dating in the queer community like early on and even like before, like I really dated anybody. Yeah. I always wondered like if the like men would, would like pick me apart before I could even like put myself out there. Because like when I dated girls, it was all I was always like very stereotypically like the like the masculine guy, like in the relationship. Like there wasn't really like room for me to be the one that like had a lot of like feelings and had a lot of like emotional depth. Like it was very cookie cutter. So when like mm-hmm. I begun to like explore like dating men and talking to men, I was like, well, this is kind of different because I don't know who's supposed to do what. Like who is <laughs> who's who? Like who's married? Yeah. Who like what? You know. So it was nice for me to see that and see him be a character that's black, Jewish, and openly queer and like is just as human as anybody else in the show he's not like you know he's he's just his storyline is very normal as you would you know imagine it to be in hollywood and so that was that was big for me um but i think the a lot of the things you touched on is like obviously representation is huge it's key to have it Mm -hmm. in film um and it's important to have stories that have happy endings and have like, you know, a typical Hollywood rom-com ending like that cheesy stuff, but put two guys in there or put two girls in the story, put black yeah. men in the story and don't mm-hmm. make it like traumatizing. There was a while where I felt like every, <laughs> every movie, it, you know, I'm gonna say it. It felt like for a while, every movie, that was being put out that had black leads was like, oh, we were slaves. Here's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, say it. Oh, say it. oh, oh, we were, you we know, were segregated as a country. <laughs> we were marching. Yes, we was marching yes. for our right to freedom. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. And it was like, it is just like that is important to recognize and celebrate, but that can't be the only story that we see. But I think that's also because when we think about who gatekeeps the film industry, like, that's the only story that they have of Black people. Mm -hmm. You know? So, not Mm -hmm. excusing it, but that's just call a spade a spade. Like, if it's the only story that you know, it's the only story you're going to tell. Sure. You're right. No, I mean, that's... That's something I mean, we need to we need to get into that, you know. Oh, I'm here that. for it. I love and running we can, my mouth. And we, can, <laughs> we can fully come back and get into that. Um, but I do wanna um 
I do want to close with this question. Um, obviously, you know, mental health is something that you can't ignore and it's woven deeply into everything we've talked about tonight. And I'm curious to hear how your journey through understanding masculinity and growing into who you are as a person, how did your mental health tie into that? And kind of what, what was that, what's that journey been like for you? And, and yeah. where are you now with that? Yeah. Um, mm, okay. So yeah, that has been a freaking roller coaster. Um, that I want to start by saying that my mom was a social worker for the Department of Mental Health in South Carolina. So mental health has always been kind of a conversation um, in my household, not necessarily how to take care of your mental health, but the fact of like taking away the stigma of like, if something is wrong with you, you're not necessarily crazy. It's just a period in your life that you're going through. You have to learn how to manage it. However, again, the management part, <laughs> we didn't really cover that too much. <laughs> um, but I think always, 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 always until recently, um, when we're talking about queerness um, and then blackness and masculinity, my mental health suffered like a lot. Um, yeah, like I, I was, I written, I've always kind of been a writer and a thinker. And so like I written down just like some thoughts when I was, I think I was maybe five or six. Um, and I had said like, some people, you know, some people say like, I'm very like feminine and like, well, does this mean that I'm a girl? And like, given I know I'm not trans, like I'm very much so a cis man and like, that's who I am. Um, but I think in that phase of my life, it was because femininity was so tied to being a girl that like, I went through that stage of like, well, am I a girl? And then we got past that. And I was like, okay, well, am I really gay? Because up until up until puberty, I hadn't really felt any feelings. I was just a feminine guy. And then so when puberty hit and I started to feel feelings for men and then going to church all the time, um, it was like, it was always a push away of any kind of thought. Like, um, especially in high school for me. Well, let me backtrack. In middle school, um, I've watched the show. I don't even think it comes on MTV anymore. I don't even, who watches cable? Let me say that. I don't even know if MTV is a thing now. And I'm not trying to be funny, but like, I remember, I remember watching the show and like, they went into a high school and they had like did this makeover for people who were quote unquote undesirable. And mm. it was a set of twins, but one of the twins was gay. And then the other like played football for the school. And one of the twins was like bullied a lot. And I think, not I think, but I specifically remember knowing what I know now, I was having a panic attack. Um, I got really sweaty. Um, my heart rate increased a lot and I got, like my mind just raced. And I remember trying to breathe and I was by myself, like no one knew this was happening. Um, I think I was home alone that weekend or something or that day, or my parents were back in their room or something. But um, I remember just being like, God, like, don't let me be bullied this year. Mm. You know, like, just praying for that. Um, going a step further, once I started to kind of give myself a little leeway uh, with accepting my, my queerness, I would push out thoughts, especially, like, I think it was, like, around high school, freshman year of college where I was going to technical school before I came to USC, like, and I was really kind of starting to get really, really deep into a specific church that I won't name. Um, but I would, like, constantly, like, I would see a guy that I thought was attractive. And I'd be like, okay, no, they don't. Like, trying to rewire my brain, you know? Like, no, they don't. You don't think it's attractive. Keep going. Like, you don't believe that. You don't feel that. And, I mean, mm. it was every day, all day, you know? And so it was just a struggle because 
at the time I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way that I would prompt myself to think how I thought or to like rewire my thoughts. Um, and so like mental health and the, I, and the ideal and the idea of like being able to accept yourself, but also in the idea of like not paying attention to what society says you are and how your identity goes against that. And so being able to exist in society where you're contradicting everything that they say about your identity as a man, like it was very, very tough. And I think it was really during the pandemic when I got some time to really just sit down and be by myself and not be distracted by anything that I was like, Joseph, God loves you first off. Um, And then also like, you love you. You're not harming anyone. Like everyone who meets you loves you. Um, so what's the problem? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I read All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. I love them. I love George. Um, George is actually a part of my fraternity as well. And I thought that was very interesting. And, um, but All Boys Aren't Blue was really at that moment where I was like, okay, like one, I'm not by myself. Like there are <laughs> lots of queer people out here, queer black people, but also like I'm not by myself in like specific things I've experienced as a black queer man. Um, and that there are people who are older than me because I feel like we don't have a lot of elders in the queer community a lot of times or we just don't know who they are. Because mm-hmm. when we think about time, um, like we had the gay rights movement and like Stonewall and then the AIDS epidemic came and like killed a lot of what would be our queer elders. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was when I read All Boys Aren't Blue where I finally started to really heal, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm talking a lot now. <laughs> it's a lot. But <laughs> um, just to kind of say, like, yeah, like, it was it was a journey. And yeah. it, it's still a journey. Like, thankful, like, I'm not rewiring my thoughts anymore. Yeah. Um, and I'm loving myself now, like really loving myself, you know, like as Rue says, um, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Like, um, and that, I mean, that even looks like allowing myself to watch more queer things and openly talk about my relationship and who I like or who I'm with. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy with the space that I'm in now, but mm-hmm. God knows it's been very very hard yeah no it, it's 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 been a journey and it's going to continue to be a journey but i'm glad you're in a space of happiness i definitely see that radiating off of you as your friend i love to follow along you know on social media and and in conversation i can just tell you're in a, a good spot and so it's good to see you know um i think to to piggyback a little bit off of what you were saying i think um, for me, like the rigid expectation of masculinity took a big toll on my mental health. Um, just very kind of plainly, it goes back to like the whole boys don't cry, boys don't emote really at all. Mm-hmm. If you do, if you do cry, like let it go. It's gotta be quick. Um, better be over sports and nothing else. Like, you know, it was right. very 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 like very tight restrictions on what i could you know be emotional about and that's something that to this day i'm still working on like crying is a crying is a workout i have to like force the tears out of my body because habitually i've kind of like trained myself to not like release when i cry like i've trained myself to like suppress and it's like it feels like my body's really going through a lot um and, I'd, you know, when I think when I first started to hear stories about coming out gone wrong and kids getting kicked out of their homes and mm-hmm. just these really negative situations that people have had to go through as they've come to understand their identity and, and have come out, I would that that terrified me and really stressed me out and made me anxious and made me distant emotionally from parents friends family um and that's been a journey and it's still a journey that i'm on like i'm still you know 
figuring out how I fit into some of my family's lives with my oh, identity and with me as a whole, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, I continue to wrestle with every single day, emotionally and mentally. Um, but, you know, finding therapy has been big for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I'm in the same space as you where I feel like I, I'm, you know, excited to talk to people about my relationship, about my identity and tap into queer media, you know, movies and artists and and different stories and stuff like that. And just like embrace that part of me. And I feel like it's kind of brought me to a happy spot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I love this for us that we're in a happy space. Oh, I love it. We deserve it. We deserve it. Period. We do. We do. Period. Absolutely. Um, But you know, I wish we had more time. I wish we had, because we can honestly go for probably two days. That's okay. Part two, not miss a beat. We, you know, part two seems inevitable at this point. We'll have to get it on the books because um, yeah. this was great, and we teased a lot of things that could obviously spin into other episodes, which I'm you know excited about. But Joseph, thank you for coming on the podcast and Thanks for, for blessing us me. with your stories, your words. Um, you know, I, I knew when I was planning out like these episodes and toxic masculinity was something I knew the first season needed to have. You were like, you know, I immediately thought if there's anyone's perspective that needs to be heard, it's yours. Like you are the, the one for that. And you have been like a brother and big like mentor friend to me as I've navigated masculinity as it relates to my queerness just in college like that's a whole another conversation itself but you've been like a huge help to me and I know the things I've learned from you the way they've helped me I know they'll help somebody else that's listening to this podcast and the fact that you've been able to come on and just like share your perspectives and your story has been great and yeah. I appreciate it and it doesn't go unnoticed um so thank you for blessing the mic um is there anything that you would like to say before we we wrap it up? Girl, <laughs> you got me over here about to cry. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. No, I, it really does mean a lot. So um, thank you for that. Um, I really do receive it. Um, I don't think you know how much you've helped me as well. So it's kind of ironic to hear you say that because I'm like, girl, <laughs> I've been looking to you for a lot of different things. So it does mean a lot. Um I guess before we go, um, y'all stay safe out here. Gas is four dollars. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a lot going on, but stay safe and continue to love each other. You know, it's so cliche, yeah. but just continue to love each other, and we'll be all right. I guess you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really all I have. I mean, I have talked a lot and I could talk more, but I won't. <laughs> no, but it, it's all been great. And the people need to hear that, you know, it yeah. is, it is, it's crazy times, crazy as, as ever. Um, but, you know, stay safe and take care of yourself. I think that's the, that's the best possible takeaway to have from this. Yeah. So um, yeah. thank you all for listening. Um, I appreciate all of you for staying through this one this was a longer episode but it was a necessary one and i'm glad you all stuck around to listen um and with that i will catch y'all in the next one so stay safe take care of yourselves